Great. Do we have Pastor Carol Gosman coming to preach tonight? She is going to come up as I introduce her. If you don't know Carol, she is one of the most phenomenal women I have ever met. She is a fivefold prophet. Can I say that, Carol? Am I allowed to brag on you? She's a fivefold prophet and an apostolic minister in our Every Nation family. She has planted several churches in Vintuk, in Ramsach, out in the West. She is a phenomenal leader. She has mentored and discipled me as well personally and has just walked an amazing journey with me. And there is so much that she has to bring and give to you. So please give her a huge, huge round of applause. Thank you, Jess. That was so lovely. Gosh, I feel, I feel important. Ah, so great to be with you. I bring greetings from the west of Joburg, the, the deep, deep west. From Every Nation Ramsach, we're doing great stuff out there. The kingdom is growing. People are getting saved. It's just awesome. What a great adventure it is, planting churches and, and doing the work of the Lord. Uh, before we begin, I felt like the Lord um, wanted me to do some call-out prophecies. So I know, you, I know you do that often, but I'm going to do a little bit more. And if I fall off the stage, I'm so sorry. I don't know what it is about the front of the stage, but it always makes me feel like I'm about to launch myself into you. But... <laughs> Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Sir, you've got your hand like this. You're wearing kind of like a light gray or white shirt. That's you. That's you. What's your name? Tero. Tero, I just hear the Lord saying that um, through your life, there have been a few occasions where it felt like you were hit by a runaway train. It's like you were heading in a direction and something just came and just, ah, just took you off course, and you, you kind of uh, worked your way back. And I hear, I hear the Lord saying, son, your faithfulness in times of difficulty has created in God's heart a place of not only great affection, but great power. And he is pouring out that power on you. He is, he is, he is saying that you are a man who will stand in great adversity um, with the conviction of the Spirit. And I hear him saying, my son, just as, those, as hard as those incidences came against you, I am coming with you. We are, you will feel the power of the Spirit like a runaway train come and pick you up and take you. I hear the Lord saying there's an upgrade in your anointing with Him. There's an upgrade in your relationship with Him. That He, he is pouring out um, supernatural gifts on you in a greater measure. That, that dreams and visions are going to come and uh, going to start being a part of your experience with God. I just, I just see, um, I see you in the streets uh, you, it looks like you are, you're in some kind of CBD. It's either Santin. It's probably Santin. And you are, um, <laughs> and you and you wa- you're walking along. And I, I I just see you calling out to people and and just speaking the word of the Lord of their, to them. And I see them getting saved. I see them like like uh, I even saw like blind people getting their eyes opened. I just hear the Lord saying, "Son, press into me, for I have for you so much more than you have ever asked." For your heart has turned my heart. Your passion has drawn my passion. And indeed, I am going to do in you great works. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Sir, right in front of me with a big beaming face and the black shirt and the... No, 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 you. (laughs) You're sitting between two ladies who've got navy blue shirts on. You, yes, you. (laughs) <laughs> What's your name? Emmanuel. Nice name, nice name. It's kind of like a sermon right there. You're a sermon wherever you go. I just hear the Lord saying, son, 
the tenderness of your heart towards me is causing, causing great joy in heaven. I just hear there's, there's almost like in your personal walk with God, your prayers are just rising up as incense. There's, a, there's almost like a, a delight from your heart going up to heaven that is, is causing almost like an openness of heaven between you and God that is causing his presence and his life to come into the world in which you live. I just hear him saying, son, there's an anointing on you to restore relationships. For you have come through from many broken relationships, and you've seen many broken relationships behind you, and you've pressed into God to see restoration. And I hear the Lord saying, as you cry out to me, you're going to see a magnificent restoration in your family, in your broader family. There's even something about the community that you come from that God is going to give you prophetic words um, just a release of gospel truth into those environments, and you're going to see restoration that, more than that, that community has ever asked for. I feel like God's saying that he's chosen you. I hear him saying, son, I have chosen you because I've seen your heart and I've seen your passion, and I am calling you to, to lead in the area of reconciliation. There's been some bitterness, some anger in the past, and I hear the Lord's, in, not, not with you, but within the broader community you come from, and I hear the Lord saying that he's called you to bring restoration there, and as you do, you're going to see many come to the Lord, because many have been held in bondage by that bitterness, but as you bring the life and the blessing and the love of Jesus into that place, many of them are going to burst out of those jail cells into the glorious light of Jesus. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? I will do some more later, but right now I'm going to get to the word. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your great grace, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that you are pouring out your spirit uh, on this congregation and on this service, Lord God. Thank you for increase of growth, Lord God. Thank you for just blessing upon blessing for them, Lord God. Thank you that in every way you are bringing new things to them, Lord God. Father God, I ask that, that as we share around your word, that you would you would touch every heart with your power, Lord God. You would touch every heart with your anointing. You would set the captives free. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen and amen and amen. So I want to talk to you about the anatomy of revival. Everyone wants revival. Some just don't know about it. But what, they're yearning, what this nation is yearning for is for a restoration of God's intention for it. There is something in the heart of every person that knows that, that this nation needs renewal. This nation needs a move of the Spirit. This nation needs communities coming together. This nation needs um, righteousness at the very foundation of where it is. It needs people healed, restored. It needs poverty broken. It needs corruption ousted. It needs Nadal to win, Saviwe. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But, but every, every heart in this nation is yearning for something more. That's why we see so much upheaval in different places, because there's something in the heart of people that know there's got to be more to life than what we're experiencing. There's got to be more um, justice, truth, reconciliation, wholeness. There's got to be more. And what the heart of this nation is longing for is revival. It's longing that the Spirit of God would come and just camp in our land, would move into every home, would move into our schools, into our businesses, 
and broken people would be made whole, marriages would be restored, families would be places where children can grow up well and good and free and ah, just unfettered by the, the cares of the world. We need businesses to flourish, the spirit to, to move into businesses with kingdom ideas. This is what we need in this nation. We get revival in a nation by getting revival in our hearts. We get revival in a nation when each of us says, God, come and do it here. You know, it's all very well to look at a government or look at a church and say, you're not doing your job, come and do your job. But the truth is, Jesus gave the job to the church. Make disciples of all nations, he said. Jesus gave the job to the church. And as each one of us presses into God and we find that place where he becomes our everything, I can guarantee you that it will become an infectious state of being and this nation will bow its knee to Jesus. So I want to talk about the anatomy of revival. Did I pray? <laughs> I can't remember, but Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, just bless us. Bless us. Lord, come and do, come and do. If I prayed, Lord, I say amen to that prayer. If I didn't pray and you pray, come and do it. Thank you, Lord. Can I, can I move this a little bit back? I feel like I'm bumping into it the whole time. Thank you, Siv. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I, f I feel constrained if I have to stay in one place, so, so I, ne I need space, you know, to walk around and command the forces of the devil to move out of the way. Right. So great, thank you. I'll come get it. Thank you. So we're talking about anatomy of revival, and if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Ezekiel 37, starting in verse 1. We all know the story, it's the dry bones story. You know, Ezekiel, he's lovely, but he's crazy. You know, when you read the book of Ezekiel, you know, by the time I get to the book of Ezekiel, I feel like sometimes I do some crazy things, but when I get to the end, I feel extremely boring. I mean, it's like, oh my word, this guy, he saw things, he did things that are just out of this world. And this is one of his more normal experiences. But what is happening is that he and the, the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Judah have been carried away to exile in the nation of Babylon or the city of Babylon. And he's sitting by a particular river called the Kibar River. And he is, he is sometimes complaining and he's sometimes prophesying and he's sometimes having visions and he's having this experience. But at this, sta at this stage, or most of the book is about him telling Judah how they deserve what they're getting. And they've turned away from God. And God has warned them from years and years and years and called them back to him. And still they refuse to come back to him and obey him. And in the end, they've ended up in this terrible place. And he's, he's like, please turn back to God, turn back to God, turn back to God. And then suddenly around the middle of the book, he kind of changes his tune. And he starts talking about how as you turn back to God, God is going to come and do some great and incredible things in your midst. And so here we land in chapter 37 from verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. 
He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? You know what the right answer to any question God asks you? It's this. Oh, I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. <laughs> it's just the right answer, guys. Practice it. Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to those bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Do you know that all of creation, all of creation is made, it's wired to hear the voice of God. Everything in creation has this like back door, this switch that somehow when the voice of the Lord comes, it stands up, it stands to attention. Amen. That's not my message, but it's a good word. He goes on, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. Guys, picture it. I mean, you know the Bible? There is no movie that is as wild as the Bible. Just picture it. There was a noise, a rattling sound. I mean, those zombie movies have nothing on this. A rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, I, at this stage, I don't know if I would have been looking, but he, he looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Have you ever faced an impossible situation? Have you ever faced an impossible situation? Maybe you're facing some now. You know, Ezekiel, when he wrote this, he had no idea you would ever exist. He was prophesying wholeheartedly to the nation of Israel. But even though he didn't know you would exist, God did. And when he had Ezekiel write this down, I mean, the first point of call is to the nation of Israel. You know, just, it's about Judah just getting right with God, that God will come and do the impossible for them, even in a terrible situation of their own making. God was going to rescue them. At the same time, God could look through the millennia and he could see you and he could say, there is going to come a time when John Tando is going to need to know that there is a God in heaven who rescues. There's a God in heaven who speaks to the driest, most desolate of situations, who breathes into them and vast armies rise up in the valley of waste. God knew that sometimes you were going to need to know who he was, that he is a God who rescues. He's a God of power. He's a God for whom no situation is impossible. And that's what this story is about. It's about God looking at the nation of South Africa and saying, prophesy, prophesy to the bones. God looking at your Family and saying, prophesy to the bones. God looking at your workplace and saying, prophesy to the bones. God looking at your health and saying, prophesy to the bones. 
that the worst devastation that they could be will come together with a clanking sound in response to the word of the Lord and it will stand up and it will rise up and it will declare the goodness of God and it will rise up in success like the army of God. Now with every promise of God, there are always two parts. Did you know that? There are always two parts. Believe it or not, there are very few unconditional promises of God. They always have two parts. Here we go. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians, and it says this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. It's a little bit complicated, but what it really means is, first of all, is that there are two parts. There's a God and an us part. First of all, God's really great because he just says yes to all his promises. All his promises over your life, God is just saying yes. He's just saying, I'm going to do it. Every good thing, even the good things you haven't asked for, I'm going to do. I mean, that's how good God is. That's how good God is. It's like he's never, ever withholding any good thing from you. His purposes for you are good from start to finish. Goodness at every turn. But here's the thing, it says, so God, God can choose yes or no, and he's chosen yes. We have to put an amen on the end, or an amen, whichever place you come from. We have to stick it on the end. What does that mean? What, what is amen? What is amen? It simply means, yes, I agree. You know, how many times do I speak to people, like in troubled marriages or difficult relationships, and I sit down with them and I say, God wants to bless you. And they go, oh, there's no way that God, that God can do anything here. You know? And then they just tell me all the reasons why God can't bless them. You know, in a, a difficult work situation, you know, God, God's going to do something fantastic. But they say, but you don't know my boss. <laughs> you don't know my boss. You haven't met the guy. You know what I'm talking about? They won't put the amen at the end of the promise. Guys, come. Our part is to say, yes, God, we agree. God, God, I know I cannot see how you could possibly get me through this, but I'm going to put the amen at the end of your promise. I'm going to say there is a God in heaven who knows a way through this, who can speak to dry bones and who can make a difference. I'm putting my amen behind God's yes. So let's look at God's part of the dry bones. Can we do that? First of all, he did bones and breath. What I like about it, this, this sermon's got a lot of twos. Are you okay with that? Everything's divided into twos. I don't know why God just did it. But he's talking about bones and breath. There were two stages to God building this army. If you remember the story, first of all, the bones came together with that clanking noise. And then he breathed into them and they became an army. There was bones and there was breath. And, you know, we all want the breath part. You know, we all want the fire down from heaven, zap that boss, remove all the problems, bam, it's done. I mean, we all want that. I mean, who doesn't want it? You know, sitting in your exam, we all want the breath. God, give me the answers. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, come and breathe on this. And he's saying, where the bones? You haven't given me any bones to breathe on. So he does it bones and breath. 
is the structure. No, bones is the studying you did before the exam. <laughs> just saying, just saying. Bones is the, the, uh, the work assignments that you hand in on time. Well done. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Okay, bones. <laughs> Are you all feeling convicted or you're feeling happy? Happy and convicted. All good. Bones and breath. Now, have any of you met my husband? Do you know that he alliterates everything? Do you remember that? So it's our 30th wedding anniversary today. Just saying. So in honor of my husband, I am going to alliterate till that evening ends. Is that okay with you? Do you know what alliteration is? Okay, good. Just checking. <laughs> so bones and breath. That's like structure and spirit. That's like structure and spirit. Two S's. You got it. Please go tell my husband. Will you go tell my husband? I want a really good night out tomorrow night, so please let him know all about this. Structure and spirit. One Kings tells the most fascinating story of the building of the temple. And you know what? It talks about in intricate detail how they put this temple together. And you know what? It's not, in those days, building wasn't just like phoning up Renico and giving them the plans and you just come and do the thing. I mean, then they had to literally go to the quarries with axes. I don't even know what they used, but like sharp implements that they beat and they, they cut out these heavy stones. Then they had to lug them hundreds of kilometers to a new place and stick them on top of each other. I mean, building a temple wasn't an easy thing. And these, these stones are coming together and the structure is there. And then it says, when the structure was in place, the priests went in to minister. The cloud of God's presence arrived. And no one could stand because the glory of the God filled the temple. Bones and breath, structure and spirit. How about preparation and power? We all want the power. <laughs> we all want the power. It says there in Luke 4 that Jesus came back to Galilee in the power of the spirit. Gosh, that sounds amazing. I mean, we know, all know what happened. Blind eyes opened, lame people walked, thousands were fed on a few fish and bread. You know, he just, he just did every fun thing that is possible. But he was coming back to Galilee. Where had he been? That was his 40 days journey in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil, and he stood strong, and he said no to every one of those temptations. He says, you cannot give me anything that would even be close to what my dad gives me. And he stood strong in the knowledge of who he was. Preparation and then power. God comes and breathes. How about connection and covering. <laughs> this story, no, really, I, I, I mean, I don't watch many movies for a number of reasons that they really, they really mess me up. And if there's like gory stuff in a movie, like I'm, I'm weeks recovering. You know, I'm just like, like my poor husband has to drag me along because I'm just like, oh, did you see that those poor people? You know, it's like, I live the movie. I live the movie. So when I read the story, and you know, it's those bones coming together and the limbs and the everything, and I'm like, oh God, just get it over with. Just put the skin on and breathe. <laughs> but you know, what if, 
What if the thigh bone said, I, I just don't like the hip, hey? No, I, just, I just don't like the hip. I just don't like the hip. So I feel like I'd like to be in the eye socket. I mean, I mean, can you imagine, or, you know, like some of the hand bones, you know, I just, I don't like being joined to the wrist, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to hang out on the knee. I mean, what if we were like giving, giving God, like, this is who I want to be. This is what I want to do. Can you rearrange all of history, please, around this desire of mine? <laughs> no, you laugh. I mean, I've done that. I've done that a lot. But you know, it's like submitting to God's connections, to the right relationships, and not just, just, not just any relationship, the right relationships, and being committed to them long-term so that God can come up with sinew and bone and muscle and tendons and all those things that you medical students know about, you know, all that stuff and then put skin on it, and Carol can sigh with relief. It's getting in the right connections. And then God comes and covers it with his presence. And sometimes we're wondering why God's power is not coming, and we're living out in the wilderness as a kind of thigh bone all by ourselves. It's like, why doesn't God come and cover me with his glory? It's because you're not connected to the hip bone. Connection and covering. So this is God's part. He, come, he comes, you know, and I, I want to say the structure, preparation, and connection, we can get deceived into thinking, you know, that's just something I have to do on my own. I just have to, like, get my house in order, and then God will come and breathe on it. But that's not what he's saying at all. This is God's part. So what it means is, instead of being that thigh bone out there somewhere, I'm submitting to the Spirit of God as he drags me out of there and sticks me on the hip. You know, it's that, that as I'm thinking, gosh, I would much rather go and have a party with my friends and the Spirit of God is saying, study. That we submit to Him and we say, yes, Lord. And we, we allow Him to give us the grace to work through all those numbers and whatever it is. And then He can come and breathe on it. So, so all that stuff, the structure, the preparation, the connection, the bones, it's us yielding to the Spirit of God as He puts our houses in order. As He gets things in place so that He can come and bring His fire, His breath, the, the miracle working, obvious presence of God in those situations. So bones and breath is His call. How about our call? What's our part? Our part is words and warfare. So here we go. Ezekiel, I mean, what, what would have happened if Ezekiel said, no, I'm not going to prophesy. I'm not feeling well today. You know, I, don't, I don't feel it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit um, sensitive. What if, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling army-ish. I mean, I mean, what? What would have happened? You know, it's a God part and an us part. And you know, we, we sit in our lives, oh, 
oh my God, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to speak life in this situation. I don't know if I want to really be positive. You know, complaining is so much more fun. But our words, our words are what God is using to build that army, to repair our lives, to bring the blessing, to put the structure in place so that he can come and breathe. Our words matter. From the beginning of time, God created through his word. Let there be light, he said, and a thousand galaxies came into being. When he created us in his image, what did he do? He put in us something that breathes and beats with the heartbeat of God. And as our, as our voices speak out the truth that he is saying, all of creation must submit to that. Because as I said earlier, all of creation is created, is created to respond to the voice of God. And when our words mirror his words, creation bows. Your workplace bows. Your unsafe friends bow. Your family bows. How many people have I walked with through broken marriages? And I want to tell you, when they start speaking the life of God into those marriages, broken marriages come whole. Why? Because they're speaking the intention of God. How many broken lives, sick lives have I walked with? And as they begin to speak the hope of Jesus into those places, everything starts clanking together. God starts moving. Breath comes. And what seemed impossible a month ago is now in action, possible, manifested. Gosh, this is good. <laughs> Listen, if you're not going to encourage me, I am going to encourage myself. God's promises are backed by his character, not by our circumstances. Guys, if God said it, he's going to do it. It doesn't matter how you feel. You know what? If you, if you, if you feel grumpy about your marriage, speak life into it grumpily. <laughs> but do it. I don't care what you feel. God's word transcends your feelings. Speak the words of life. Something good will happen. God's promises are true. He will do what he says he will do. There are no impossible situations in the kingdom. No impossible situations. How about this? You can only speak with authority what you have demonstrated in adversity. <laughs> Thanks, Marsh. I'm so pleased you like that. There's a story, Mark 4. Jesus, Jesus in the boat. He's told everyone we're going to the other side. They're on their way. They're obeying God. This terrible storm's, storm comes up. One of the disciples uses the word that implies demonic manifestation. I mean, for them, this was like the worst storm they've ever experienced. Jesus, what's Jesus doing? Do you remember the story? Jesus is sleeping, I believe in the stern of the boat, I don't really know where the stern is, but he's sleeping in the boat. One of their accounts says, on a pillow, very comfortable, very comfortable. There he is. There's a raging storm. The, the disciples feel like they're going to die. Finally they come, Jesus, don't you care? I, I mean... His, his posture should have given them a clue. It wasn't that he didn't care, but he wasn't worried. 
And if God's not worried, generally we should be at peace. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. Generally, that means it's going to be okay. And what I've noticed about God, really, I've noticed this about God a lot, he's never worried. You know, he's not like, oh my word, I never knew they were going to get that boss. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't work that out. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh my word, oh my word. I never knew that that was going to be their salary. There's no way. There's no way we can make out on that. There's no way. Can't be done. Sorry, didn't, didn't plan for that eventuality. I mean, that just never happens in the kingdom. Do you understand? He's never taken by surprise. Never. He's never worried. As my husband said, he always says this. Please tell him I also quoted him. This is going to be good for me. <laughs> there is never, ever, 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 he goes on for a long time, ever, ever, ever anything to be worried about. Jesus stands up from that boat from, in response to his disciples. He has a little bit of an interaction with them that isn't so pleasant for them. But then he stands up and he just speaks to the storm and he says, peace be still. Done. Why could he do that? Because the peace in his heart was greater than the wildness of the storm. The peace in his heart was greater than the turmoil outside. And so all he had to do was open his heart and say, bam. So God, as you go through tough times, I hope you never do, but say you do. Say you do. You know, just maybe. Try and find the peace. Try and find the Jesus there. Because as you learn to navigate those dark times, you're going to be the kind of person who stands in other people's boats and speaks to the storm and says, peace, be still. Enough to the turmoil of this nation. Here is the line. It's called the cross. You may not cross here. You may not go here. Poverty, step back. Anger, go back. Strife, discord, stand to the side. Kingdom is coming. Kingdom is coming. Kingdom is coming. So in conclusion, God is fixing the structure of your, of your life so that he can breathe his life into your circumstances. As you accept his promises and speak his truth, you will see revival in all areas of life. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand?